Hey, what's up everybody? Coach Mike here. Thanks for tuning in to episode number two. This is a recording from the most recent quote, ask me anything session inside of our Facebook group. So if you want to find the video replay of that, just simply go to facebook.com slash groups slash the swim squad, and you can scroll down in the discussion feed. You'll be able to find the whole video replay from that live session we did about a week ago, based on the uh, time of this recording. Welcome to the Swim Squad. This is Mike Jotadis. I'm your host, and this is the Swim Squad podcast for distance swimmers, triathletes, and open water swimmers. This podcast is an extension of our location-based swim coaching program in Louisville, Kentucky called Swim Smooth Louisville, where it's our mission to help swimmers of any level become a better swimmer. And now, because of podcasting, we can also reach you wherever you are in the world and help you become a better swimmer. The world needs great swim coaching and stories that inspire action, and that's our mission to bring great swim coaching and inspirational stories that will ignite your inner athlete. Here's today's episode. Okay, we're rocking and rolling. So um, a couple weeks ago, I continued a series on the stroke correction hierarchy uh, which basically I started telling you about five different levels of, of the stroke correction process. Okay. And uh, one second here, let's do this instead. Okay. On um, the stroke correction process. And um, so we did levels one and two the, over the last few weeks, and we're going to talk about level three, but just as a quick reminder, so level one. So this was just, just kind of give you a framework of if you're looking at your stroke and you're trying to find room for improvement uh, in your stroke and your technique and how to develop your swimming, um, this might give you a framework or a process to go through and you might revisit each step, you know, along the way. So level, level one of the hierarchy, if we want to call it that, uh, we, we look at the foundations of swimming freestyle, which is breathing, exhalation, relaxation, maybe addressing a slow, overly slow or an overly fast stroke rate. Okay. We talked about that week one. Week two was body position, talking about, uh, the effectiveness of your kick, core engagement, core awareness. Uh, and head position. Level three, what we're going to talk about today is stroke timing, hand entry and shoulder injury, stroke alignment, uh, and a body rotation or body roll. Um, actually, there's a couple questions here from the Ask Me Anything post that uh, slide right into this, uh, this topic here on, on level three. So uh, it'll, 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 be, uh, it'll, be, it'll be pretty um, insightful, I think, because I have some video that I want to show you guys too of uh, some swimmers just to, so you can visualize proper stroke timing. Uh, level four, which we'll get to in the future, uh, setting up a proper catch, optimizing stroke length versus stroke rate. Okay. And level five would be uh, at that point, de developing propulsive power and developing your unique kick uh, or your kick timing. So two B kick versus four B kick, six B kick, etc. Okay. Um, so let me hit some points here on level three. So as you're moving kind of through the correction process, we've already looked at breathing, relaxation, body position. Now let's look at things like, okay, so it's it's important that you don't get ahead of yourself, okay, which is the point of this sort of framework. So we're gonna look at stroke timing. So what does proper stroke timing look like? Well, uh, you can put it as, uh, so there's a fancy term out there that we call in, in swimming terminology, uh, front quadrant timing, okay? Um, or if you're familiar with an old, old school swimming drill called the catch-up drill, Okay, now this would be maybe 
incorrect timing in, in another sense. Uh, but what we, would, what we would want is more of a three-quarter kind of catch-up stroke, okay? So as far as the arms go round and round in freestyle, they don't go round and round in like a rotary fashion, okay? So it's not a windmill. Okay, so one arm almost catches up three quarters of the way before the other arm begins to catch and pull through the water. Okay, so we want to develop that uh, front quadrant timing. Um, what this does is it just gives you better support for breathing. Uh, it uh, gives you more time to develop your catch. Okay, so you're actually allowing yourself to set up your catch better. Okay, and then uh, on the flip side of that, uh, this would, if you do have a stroke that tends to be more of a catch-up stroke or, uh, or in that style of swimming or that style of stroke, you might have like a dead spot. So basically, if both arms kind of reach uh, or join together here out front for a moment, okay, deceleration starts to happen. So there's a dead spot in the stroke, and that can be holding you back. So we want to remove that dead spot uh, by improving stroke timing, okay? Uh, at this level, too, we want to look at hand entry and shoulder injury, okay? Um, characteristics of a good arm recovery, it's a neutral, relaxed hand and arm during the recovery phase of the stroke. I'm gonna show you a video of a couple different swimmers here in a little bit, uh, and we'll look at just that, okay? Uh, Mary Beth had a great question about the, the timing of the stroke and so forth, but there's some very important things to note about the, uh, the arm recovery as well. Um, avoiding a thumb first entry, and going for a finger first entry, that thumb first entry right there. Uh, Scott had a question about the most common uh, causes of shoulder injury. Okay, thumb first entry is one of those. Okay, and um, we'll talk about that here again in a couple of minutes. Uh, circling back to this stage in our stroke development, alignment is gonna be another key component of this here. So we wanna incorporate as much bilateral breathing as possible. You know, it's a natural way to maintain good stroke symmetry. Okay, uh, developing posture, good posture. So in other words, uh, a good extension at front uh, with, with the lead hand, for example, but shoulders back, chest forward. Uh, that allows for that nice straight aligned arm entry right there, good extension of the, uh, the, the, the forward arm stroke. Uh, and then we're also looking to improve alignment, which reduces a scissor kick. So if, if you have a scissor kick in your stroke, um, by lining up the front end of the stroke better, okay, the, the major cause for a scissor kick or something like this is misalignment of the arm strokes at the front end of the stroke. Okay, So that could be either at the entry point here or underneath the body. So those arms might swoop across uh, underneath your body during the pull-through phase of the stroke, uh, causing so instability in your body's balance and so forth. And the legs tend to compensate by scissoring apart or just splaying open, okay? And that in itself causes a lot of drag, okay, at that moment. Uh, and then lastly, we want to start developing good, even body roll and rotation, okay? So uh, this can uh, is good for lengthening the stroke if you tend to have more of a short kind of like scrappy, scrappy stroke, let's call it. Okay, so we might look at that. If you, if you do have a shorter, scrappier kind of stroke, we want to lengthen the stroke out a little bit. Um, if that is the case, temporarily reducing your stroke rate uh, by using maybe a Tempo Trainer Pro or something like that, just put it in stroke rate mode to slow the stroke rate down to emphasize stroke length. Okay, uh, all of this is going to help you with finding, identifying that good body roll and rotation. Okay, so that's level three of the hierarchy. Um, uh, just 
you know, just pointing out those notes as you're correcting your stroke, those are the kind of things that we're going to look at at that point in time. But remember, there's a few key things before that, okay? So don't get ahead of yourself. It's easy to, uh, again, uh, get out there on YouTube or uh, social media or wherever you are and see a video of, of somebody teaching something or showing you a skill or demonstrating something. And, you know, you immediately think, oh gosh, I got to go implement that in the pool like today. Uh, but you might not have mastered or uh, really worked on breathing and exhalation and relaxation, those earlier steps help you develop those later steps, okay? Does that make sense? Um, so don't neglect those foundational principles like breathing, relaxation, establishing good uh, body position and core awareness and those things first before you get to these things, which I talked about today, stroke timing, hand entry, shoulder injury, that kind of stuff, okay? So there's some, uh, some precursor to all of that. Um, all right, let's get into the questions here. Uh, bear with me one second. I'm just going to turn Facebook back on and see if anybody has anything to say and just make sure we're still broadcasting. Okay, let's get it here. Looks like Aubrey tuned in. All right, there we go. Oh, I don't want to hear myself here. All right, there's a few folks on. All right, we're rolling. Leela's there. Okay, Leela, I'm going to answer your question. Uh, I sent you a direct message earlier. And Meredith is here or was here. Okay. All right. Questions. There's a boatload here. So let me get into this. And there's, there's a good one. Drew asked me a funny question. He's a funny guy. Uh, but I actually, I have a serious answer for you, Drew. All right. So a couple of weeks ago, I forgot or I neglected to answer Mary Beth's question. Um, and so she asked, when your hand exits the water, at what point does the other hand start moving back through the water? Okay, this is a kind of a complex question. So what I'm gonna do instead is show you some elite swimmers first. And let's do this, pull up my desktop here. So check this out, let's see if this works. I got some stuff here. All right, I should have, or you should see. Uh, let's make sure we got it. Yeah. See, Alex, just give me a thumbs up like this. Can you see the swimmer in the screen? Yeah, perfect. Okay. So watch this now. So we've got an Olympic bronze medalist from Australia named Jono Van Hazel right here. Literally, this guy is Mr. Smooth. Okay, so watch this now. So let's talk about Mary Beth's question about the hand, the hand exiting the water and then what the lead hand does uh, out at the other end of the stroke here. Okay, so let's slow this down. Let's watch this stroke. Let's just look at the timing of just what happens here first, okay? So looking at the hand at the back of the stroke right here, here it is, exiting the water sea, okay? Meanwhile, what's going on with that hand, okay? Hand is exiting, and whoops, let's back up a couple strokes here, see? Here we go, let's do this again. Hand exiting, and it's almost, Mary Beth, like the hand exiting, and then the hand pressing, beginning to catch and press back, those two things happen simultaneously, okay? To, to like literally answer your question, okay? So the challenging thing about that is trying to think about those two things all at the same time, okay? Trying to think about your hand at the back of the stroke and then the opposing arm at the front of the stroke simultaneously. So it's too much to think about, in my opinion. And I gave you a quick response uh, a week or so ago that, um, what I would prefer is that you think about something else and not necessarily 
the hand exiting the water. But there are a couple things that we need to get correct with this exit uh, or the hand exiting the water. So look here. Uh, so we've got Mr. Van Hazel here. As the hand, using him as a model, okay? As the hand exits the water, the hand is relaxed. The uh, elbow almost kind of leads the way. The, he's very loose and relaxed at the wrist, okay? And let me clear this out. And you notice as the hand is exiting the water, I'll look, we'll look at it from under the water in a minute, but the palm of the hand is facing inward, like toward his, his thigh or toward his hip, okay? But the arm recovery is very relaxed, okay? That needs to be in place. And so we need to have an arm, uh, the hand exiting and the arm recovering like this. Let me show you another example here, another, another uh, Olympian here. Okay, this young lady's name is Rebecca Adlington at the 2012 Olympic Games in London. She was the gold medalist in the 400 and 800 meter freestyle. Looking simply at what the best swimmers in the world do, we're gonna see, and it's a little bit blurry, so I apologize for that, but there's that same hand, same relaxed recovery happening, and notice the palm of the hand is facing away from us, okay? My point with all this is to say, there's not, I don't want you to be, for there to be a lot of emphasis on the hand exiting the water. But there, but this is how we want the hand exiting the water. Looking at it underneath the water, let's see. Watch this. Let's look at the arm closest to us. Catch, pulling through, frame by frame here. Following through at the back, but there's not a lot of like push or oomph per se, okay? And then there's that hand folding inward, the palm of the hand folding inward toward the thigh, and we already know from above the water, uh, just pulling that hand out of the water in a very relaxed uh, kind of fashion. Instead, Mary Beth, I would prefer, once you, you know, so you could take a lap or two and think only about this, okay? The hand exiting the water. But for the majority of the time, where most swimmers are lacking, efficiency in the stroke is out here in the front, okay? It's developing a firm catch and pull through. So I would prefer you, you spend more of your time concentrating on what you're doing up here, i.e. like setting up your catch and then uh, learning how to develop a good feel for the water, better propulsive uh, action, you know, through sculling or the doggy paddle drill, okay? That's why we do those drills because they uh, innately have the arm situated out in front Okay, and you're developing this feel and developing these mechanics here for the catch and pull through. Okay, so I bring up these two swimmers because, well, they're Becky here is an Olympic gold medalist. We might as well model what you know what she's doing, right? Let's okay, so there might be some triathletes or open water swimmers here. One last look here. Let me show you this uh, this lady here. Okay, so this is Shelly Taylor Smith, an Aussie, uh, and in her heyday of marathon swimming now. She was seven times marathon swimming world champion. Little bit different style of stroke, but open water swimmer. Okay, Rebecca Adlington, the gold medalist we saw a second ago, pool swimmer only. But Shelly here, long distance, open water marathon swimmer. You see that straighter arm recovery, 2B kick, okay? But as far as the arm recovery goes, relaxed hand here at the back, 
Okay, palm facing toward us. Okay, fingertips spearing into the water there. Just clear this out. Okay, so similar characteristics there. Okay, a little bit different style stroke though. What's beautiful about Shelly stroke here is this though. Look underwater. Look at this amazing catch and pull through. Now you might be a little bit mesmerized by her 2B kick, but once you've, <laughs> once you've processed that, look at the front end of her stroke. Let me slow it down. Just beautiful hand entry. Fingertips get down. Elbow comes up nice and high. And then pressing the water back. Okay. So Mary Beth, I'd rather you focus on that, developing that front end of the stroke. Okay. All right, let's move on. Next question. Uh, on more of a higher level. Uh, let me see. Let me stop the sharing here. Let's get back to, here we go. Uh, several people chimed in with pretty much the same question that Julio asked, which was uh, basically just asking for some guidance on getting back into the pool after a long hiatus. You know, what, uh, what should that first day, week, month look like? Uh, and, a, and a few people asked this. Julio, Steve, and Beth actually emailed this. So, I would, here's my suggestion, is before you even think about getting in the pool, spend some time doing this. So right now, it's November 22nd, uh, in the Northern Hemisphere, it's the quote off season, uh, and maybe you've given some thought already to 2020, but what I'm, as the coach, what I'm going to encourage you to do is this, and then in the next week, so Julio, in the next week, take one hour of your time, okay, just like designate one hour, find an hour of time somewhere in your weekly schedule. And you're going to sit down and you're going to think about your goals for next year. Um, if you've taken a business class or, you know, as a coach, I learned this little process, this, this acronym. Okay. So you want to have some smart goals. Okay. Smart goals. So the word smart, S-M-A-R-T, that's an acronym for these words right here. So your goal should be specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timely. So take an hour write that down and think about your plan for the next year. Think about your main goal. Is it specific? Okay. Is it measurable? How do you measure your progress? Is it even like achievable to begin with? Do you think it's possible? Uh, is it realistic? Um, I struggle with this a little bit. I have big goals, but I have a family, children, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so is it even realistic? Uh, and then timely. So this is, you need to set a time. So goals have a, goals have a, um, have a finish line. You know, they, they, they're going to finish on They're going to be on a certain date, right? So that might just be your, your a race of next season and then work backwards from there. Okay. So as far as getting back into the pool, what's realistic. Okay. I think this is the main question. What's realistic. You know, what can you fit in? Uh, for, for most folks, three to five swim workouts per week, uh, depends on the type of swimmer you are. Okay. If you're a pure swimmer, uh, you might aim for three or four, or, or if it fits your schedule, if you can fit it in reasonably into a routine, uh, up to five swim workouts per week, that might be reasonable. Uh, maybe you're a busier, uh, triathlete. You have other things on your calendar, bare minimum. I would say shoot for three times per week. Okay. Uh, I think that's a realistic goal of getting back into it. Um, the first week, don't set any big, big expectations. Okay. Just get in three times, maybe swim 20, 30 minutes, just enjoy the water. Okay. Um, come back to some of those fundamentals in our stroke correction, uh, like hierarchy, swim a few laps, focus on your breathing. 
Okay, just get comfortable and relax and exhale. Okay, play in the water for a little bit your first week. First month, you're really just trying to establish what's the realistic routine. Okay, is it three times a week? Maybe it's twice a week. Maybe that's all you can fit in right now. But in the first month, in our quote off season here in the Northern Hemisphere, I think that's pretty reasonable. Just get, don't overdo it. Okay, don't go gung ho thinking, all right, you know, my A race is in uh, June or whatever it is, 2020. I got to get on it. I got to get on it. But if you've had a, a hiatus from the pool, I think right now, November, December is pretty reasonable to just say, work your way into it. You know, don't, don't uh, overcommit. You know, two, three swim workouts uh, per week is good. Um, accountability, a friend or partners, uh, get a band of brothers together and just commit to something. Commit to something small, like two swims three swims per week. Um, we just launched uh, our Swim Squad Academy, and there's some accountability built into that. There's a community of people. There's uh, weekly workouts. There's uh, I'm requiring that everybody comment, ask questions about the workouts uh, in there in the weekly schedule. Uh, we even have uh, a two-way communication app that we're using, and if folks have questions or whatever, I will frequently send out like a, a group broadcast there. Okay, just make sure everybody's um, you know, still engaged. All right. So if you need an accountability partner, uh, such as a coach, or you can easily just grab a friend or some training partners for that. Um, circling back to commit, just committing to it. I know for a fact, Julio, he's ready to go. He signed up. He's secured a spot in our Sunday squad starting in January. That's one way to do it too. And that's very timely. Okay. Uh, the clock's ticking. So you kind of want to be ready for that. You know, that's on the horizon. So I hope that helps as far as getting back into the pool and uh, it gives you some ideas there. But maybe circle it all the way back to just setting, looking at and doing some goal setting, do a little goal setting session. Scott asked, what are the most common technique errors that can cause shoulder pain? Crossovers right here, okay, impingement on the shoulder. Thumb first entry, which I talked about uh, in level three of our stroke correction hierarchy. And then... Uh, the uh, what did I write here? <laughs> Weird notes. So crossover in the front of the stroke, crossover underneath the body during the pull through as well. And some folks, uh, you might have a double, triple whammy happening there. You might have the thumb first entry plus the crossover and the crossover under the body. Okay, so it's important to look at that. If you have a shoulder that is really, really barking at you, look at those uh, three things. Okay, uh, so in other words, we want to line the stroke up nice and straight. We want good posture. We want a fingertip entry, okay, not a thumb first entry. And that might take some pressure off uh, that shoulder right away. So that, that internal rotation, well, the, the thumb going turning down like this causes an inevitable like internal rotation of the upper arm right here, which impinges the shoulder. And then you cross over right there, it's like a double whammy, okay? So we want a wider entry and a flatter uh, palm, uh, palm down or finger first entry. All right, Drew asked, this is funny, if Michael Phelps started at one side of a imaginary 1,000 meter pool and Mike Jotadis started at the other end, at what point would they hit each other or run into each other? You really got me thinking on this, Drew, so I had to pull out my cheat sheets. So uh, here at the Swim Smooth Louisville squad, You've maybe seen me running around with this uh, little pace chart right here. So I had to get in here and figure this out. So let's, let's do some more hypotheticals, Drew. Let's just say Phelps 
28 time Olympic gold medalist was swimming at just a casual one minute, four seconds per hundred. And me at my peak fitness, which might've been a couple of months ago, uh, this past uh, swim season, was swimming at one minute, 20 seconds per hundred. We would meet, not in the middle, but Phelps would have already covered, um, let's see, he, uh, this is how I worked it out. Phelps would meet me after he's already covered 600 meters. I'd be at the 400 meter mark and he would have already like caught me, if that makes sense. Does that make sense, Alex? Yeah. So that required a little hard thinking and, and, and just using my chart there and, and some math. Uh, but you can do that for yourself there, Drew. That's what I would encourage you to do. Uh, put yourself up against Phelps and, and see how you do. I think I was being kind of conservative there, thinking that Phelps would average 104 per 100. Um, a lot of those Olympians, uh, you know, for example, the, the world record in the 1500 meter freestyle is something like uh, 14 minutes, 40 seconds or something like that. It's ridiculous. They're swimming faster than one minute per 100. Long course, 50 meters. Okay. Crazy. And then there's elite open water swimmers that can just casually swim about one minute per 100 meter pace in the open water. It's crazy, ridiculous to think about. All right, moving on. Chris. Chris said, uh, he sent me some screenshots of some past and current uh, workout training results, uh, which was pretty awesome. So Chris asked, uh, with, so talking to Chris as a triathlete, Ironman athlete, he said, with running, you get to a point where uh, is there any more, where you kind of, I guess, where you ask yourself, is there any more room for improvement to be had? Um, so, and then he asked me, so he says, Mike, when does, when, at what point, as far as swimming goes, when does a triathlete just maintain as far as swimming improvement or, or speed or this type of thing? Uh, and then in his uh, screenshots from some workouts, he said he was comparing last year's and uh, a, a specific workout from last year and this year. So in 2018, so the workout was 30 minutes swim at an endurance pace, and then the last 100 meters uh, just blast it out, all out, okay? So I'm assuming maybe, you know, you're getting close to the 30-minute mark, and then you just pour it on for another 100. Or, or, uh, or maybe even what I would do is just take, uh, you know, about a 60-second about a break, and then let's blast out 100 at the end. Um, so in 2018, during that 30-minute endurance-paced uh, segment, he averaged 1 minute 40 uh, per 100 yards. And on his last all-out 100 Yard freestyle was one minute twenty four seconds, so pretty quick. Uh, this year, two thousand nineteen, he that same workout, the endurance segment, thirty minutes, one minute thirty seconds per hundred yards. That's a big improvement, ten seconds per hundred. And then his all out, his max out, uh, max all out effort on the, on one hundred yards, one minute four seconds. So big, big kudos, Chris. Like big time improvement. Um, if you're a triathlete, when do you just kind of maintain? Well, triathlon training is tricky because, you know, you only have so much time, right? You have to fit in some swim workouts. You got to fit in some bike workouts, some running workouts, probably some strength training in there. Oh, and then guess what? You probably have a life, a family, uh, or something like that too outside of that. So the triathlete's a little bit at a, a, a disadvantage as far as like how far can you take your swimming? And uh, realistically, you know, if, you, if you're swimming three times per week, uh, you can still uh, make some headway into your swimming. You know, you can still continue to reach maybe your maximum potential uh, as 
as a as a swimmer. Uh, obviously, the more you can swim every week, you know, if you if all you did was solely focus on swimming, okay, you, you might reach get closer to maybe your potential there. Uh, but again, you're limited on time and resources, right? Um, if if let's say just hypothetically that's all you did was swim, you would eventually reach a point. Your, your human physiolo physiology is only gonna take you so far, right? So it's nice to see that progress from week to week, month to month, season to season. But, um, uh, you know, father time can catch up to us too, right? We're not getting, we're, none of us are getting younger, okay? So, uh, but you can still make some improvements, and I say to a point. So one of the ways that we make that measurable, uh, at least here in our squads, if you're familiar with CSS training, or threshold training, okay? So we measure your CSS pace or your lactate threshold pace, and we use that as a benchmark, a measure of improvement over time. So the idea would be you would, over time over the course of like six, eight, 10, 12 weeks or something like that, we would track your CSS pace uh, through proper workout prescription and training prescription, and theoretically your endurance uh, motor, so to speak, would get bigger, and you could continue to get faster as a swimmer. Uh, but again, the limitations as a triathlete is you only have so much time uh, to spend in the water. Um, Chris, you've reached a, a, a pretty good point there um, in your training. And you know the, the X factor there is what I would say, because I get to see you on about a weekly basis, would be we can, we can, we can, uh, we can always make some, in my opinion, some incremental improvements in efficiency and speed and we can get those out of technique okay so if you're maxed out on the amount of like the volume of training that you can do uh, we can find I think some more improvement by um, uh, reducing drag maximizing propulsion okay so working on your stroke let's move on because we're getting close here Leela you've told me uh, so she's she's telling this to me you've told me reach forward more on the doggy paddle drill okay this is during our squad sessions here locally uh, this makes me wonder if I'm reaching enough during my regular freestyle. Uh, I've noticed that toward the end of, okay, so this is kind of like point number two. I've noticed that toward the end of most squad sessions, my body switches into an uber relaxed mode and I automatically reach and rotate more. I feel like I'm, uh, I'm reaching and rotate. It, it feels like, I think sometimes it feels like she's reaching and rotating too much. I don't know if I'm being uh, dramatic or, uh, or suddenly getting it right. My body position uh, becomes super flexible. Could my body be taking 50 minutes to warm up? Or do you think I'm tiring and getting away from proper form? So a couple, couple parts to this question. So uh, yes, that doggy paddle drill, we want to reach and extend a little bit more. Um, you might have a little mantra when you're saying, when you're swimming or practicing that drill is reach and roll, reach and roll, reach and roll when you're doing that drill. Okay, if you want to check that out, check out the Swim Smooth Guru. You can just, if, if you're a subscriber to that uh, on the standard or even the pro subscription, just type in in the little search tool, doggy paddle drill, and there's instructions on to how, why uh, you do that drill. Okay, and you're exactly right, Leela, that, that feeling of extension and rotation should correlate directly into your stroke. So the little sequence that we do uh, on a 50 meter repeat, let's say, is we do a little bit of sculling right into some doggy paddle drill, and then right into some full stroke freestyle. This is all with a pull boy. So this is one to get you tuned into the front end of the stroke right here with a little bit of sculling, and then that doggy paddle drill uh, incorporates that 
extension and body rotation. And then you don't even have to think about it when you naturally transition into your freestyle, those aspects of your stroke, better, more efficient, uh, or better uh, extension and body rotation, work their way right into your, your stroke uh, just naturally. Okay, so it kind of takes the thinking out of it. Uh, I think I'm going to wrap up with that. Okay, there's a couple more questions that I hope to, to get to, but why don't we just tack those on to the next session? Um, it had to do with uh, getting faster as you age, um, consistency and training and stuff like that. Um, I think we'll kind of wrap up here and make that like another lesson. Okay, um, Alex, I'm going to unmute you for a second. Do you have any? Do you have any questions? Let's see. Let me see if I can unmute. I just unmuted myself. I have okay. that. Okay. Great. Uh, no, I'm good. You good? Was that helpful? Yes, sir. Okay, cool. Well, thanks everybody uh, for joining. Thanks, Alex, for being here. We were kind of like, if you if you were looking at Facebook too, it was you and me just hanging out. I know. I saw if that. You're watching this on. If you're watching this on Facebook, let's get a bunch of us on here next time. Come hang out here. So, thanks for watching, everybody. Um, let me just give see who's all here, just to give y'all a quick shout out. Of course, uh, Giorgio is from Athens. Amazing. Leela, Meredith, Julio, Missy, Bill, Carmen, Jay from down near Atlanta, and Steve. Cool. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Alex, for being my co-host here. Okay. And uh, if you have any questions, you can always reach out to me at Mike at SwimSmoothLouisville.com. Uh, we have, like I said earlier, we launched our Swim Squad Academy program. So if you need some accountability, uh, email me about that if you're interested in that. Uh, I have four more spots left at this current price point. Um, so if you want some more, which is $97 a month, uh, it's definitely gonna go up from there once those uh, last four spots are filled. So if you want some info about that, you can email me at mike at swimsmoothlouisville.com or info at theswimsquad.academy, okay? All right, y'all. Thanks again, Alex. We'll see everybody later. Thanks again for joining me. This is Coach Mike Jatata signing off for now. Just as a reminder, you can find me again inside our Facebook group called The Swim Squad. Just go to facebook.com slash groups slash The Swim Squad. If you need some help with your swimming, we have a group online coaching program called The Swim Squad Academy. Right now, if you'd like some more information on that and how to work with me personally, send me an email. Just send it to info at theswimsquad.academy. Put the word Academy in the subject line and I will respond to you personally and we'll see if that program's a fit for you. Until next time, cheers.